All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I hate to break the fishing news up here, Amchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations, you're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. You might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in episode 209 of the Real Life Podcast. I am Tyler Uremchuk, joined by Wanye, joined Never by come. Bagged Milk. There you go. Said. I imagine he is building the world's largest structure somewhere. <laughs> Who? A 70-story tower. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, he hasn't been here for probably, what, like a month now? Has he taken the entire month off from podcasting because he's building something wild? Yeah, he's been in BC building a spaceport or something. Yeah, I just imagine it's the largest structure on Earth. <laughs> and it's taking so long that Chalmers can't even break away from it for no. just an hour. No, he to talk he's like hanging on the side of a building with three hammers. He's swinging simultaneously. He, like, he's just like, I haven't seen my family in weeks because he's dedicated to his craft. He's actually sleeping yeah. on the side of the structure in a little makeshift tent that hangs off from the beams. Well, two weeks ago in the chat, he was like, yeah, I'm good to go. I'll do this one. And then we recorded it. We finished. And then at like 2.15, he was like, oh, are we not doing this anymore? Then immediately was like, oh, fuck, the time change. I forgot about the time change. So that one time, I guess he was ready to join us. But What a liar. Uh, no commitment from Chalmers. No, man. The, he's building things that are very important, and he won't even tell us what they are because they're super secretive and oh, they're yeah, probably a part of yeah. some kind of government conspiracy mm-hmm. and or cover-up. He's building 5G towers. That's right. <laughs> and Bill Gates has tasked him to build mm-hmm. them quietly yes. so that he can't 
What you don't know, Tyler, is that he's actually gone nocturnal mm. because he is embedding chips into all of us mm-hmm. under Bill Gates' direct command. Yeah, You're not going to put a chip in my head, Jalmers. Not today. This is episode 209 of the Real Life Podcast, as always, <laughs> brought to you by Japa Machinery, who is very committed. They will not disappear for a month like Chalmers did. Check them out online, japamachinery.com. All your heavy-duty machining, machinery needs. And I said that terribly. Find them. Check it out. Japa. Good local company. We love them very much. Um, If you're wondering why, well, one, why this podcast is going to be shorter than most, why it's coming out four hours earlier than most, and why the connection may sound even worse, it's because I'm doing this from a hotel room in Canmore. So um, while I'm on vacation still recording these podcasts, can't say I hate this podcast now, can you? (laughs) Well, you're right. You had me dead to rights. It's too bad I wasn't on the show because I'm like, what the fuck? Why do we do this so early in the morning? (laughs) Like all mad, <laughs> and your friends are like, "Well, I'm actually on vacation, like in my hotel room with my girlfriend." You dick. So I'm like, "Oh wow, that's actually." And, and of course, supremely dedicated. See, I remember. Right. I've never once said I don't respect. <laughs> um, well, my girlfriend's not here. I, I was. I, I'm just. I'm scared of you. To be honest. Fair enough. Um, my girlfriend's not here. I was like, "Hey, I'm recording real life," and she was like, "I'm going to go get you a bagel." So she's walking to the little bagel shop by our hotel. So when this podcast is over, I'll have oh, a nice fresh nice. bagel as well. I'll be uh, I'll be all good to go. I oh, should great. let everyone know in ten minutes. We're you've got the world in a string. I do, and I've been golfing like three times while I'm here too. It's an, it's incredible. It's such a good life. The coffee in this hotel room. Sucks. If you could so find a way to live in a hotel, your end Chuck, and continue to do the show from your hotel room, you could theoretically live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hotel Wi-Fi is just fucking terrible. It's pretty much me with a clean connection right now, and the two of you guys cutting out. Like every four or five words. So I'm going to try fix this in a second here. Um, Do you want Chalmers to build you a 5G network router? No. Yeah, I if you just, need Chalmers to build you a Wi-Fi connection, then just let us know. You can it. install one. It's nice. Um, no, actually, what I just remembered is that I'm actually I was connected to the hotel Wi-Fi, so I just disconnected. I'll do this whole thing on my data. So uh, I'll, no. I'll, I'll burn through my data for the month right now too. That's how much oh, I care right? about giving the good people good the real dude. life. Yeah. I also think what I have unlimited data. Do? So. Oh well, all right. Yeah, well, whatever. unlimited data. What? You, what the hell? Um, Illuminati meeting. What? Tell you what. Yeah. No, no. I just that's a saying. Yeah, I'll tell you what. All what? right. Um, okay. There's. Some... Have you ever used a fax machine? Ah, good question. No, never used a fax machine. My dad, like, so my dad runs his own business, so he always had one at the house. So there were a few times where I'd go and like the phone would ring and I'd pick it up and I'd be like, "Hello," and it'd just be like. I was like, ah, fuck. And one time I picked up twice. And then the third time the guy called my dad and was like, tell your fucking kid to stop picking up the phone all the time. I'm trying to send you a fax because the fax wow. number is the same I would as our phone like, number. You, you, you do not talk to my son, Tyler, your MTech like that. Said yeah. I, if I were your father. That's that right. Be my reply. I'm pretty sure my dad just called me and was like, stop picking up the phone, you idiot. And I did. <laughs> I learned my lesson. I stopped picking up the phone when businesses would call. Uh, is there a reason for that question, Bag Milk, or are you just doing a yeah. survey on behalf of the fax company? <laughs> Big fax. Yeah, I was just doing a survey. I, I've, I've yeah. been working for Big Fax for the long, uh, <laughs> for a while now, and I'm just really getting to the bottom of some of this data. You got to think at some point in the fax machine industry, they had a meeting where someone told them what email was, and they're like, oh, <laughs> Listen, that doesn't I'll, sound good. <laughs> I will tell you this, and this is 100% true. I don't know if the company still does it, but the place I used to work, before the nation, right? 
if you wanted to make any adjustments to your account, Tyler, which were in some cases sizable loans and all that kind of stuff, you had to fax in the changes because they believed that emailing them was unsafe. Well, the problem is signatures, right? So a lot of companies do that. The government, you still have to fax a lot of shit to. Can't you scan it though? No, some government departments don't let you. Oh. So that was always last, right. Like it is twenty twenty, but there's still some groups that do. That was always the fun part is where people would be like, "Okay, that's great. Where the fuck do you want me to find a fax machine?" <laughs> the past. That's a good question. Yeah. So if you could build a time machine and go back to nineteen ninety nine, then you'll be you'll be shut. I actually listen. Think- if I had a time machine and I go, got to go back to nineteen ninety nine to make a fax, I would do many other things, including telling everyone not to worry about Y two K and participate in the Willennium. Exactly. The Millennium, my God. Your Amtrak were even alive when the Millennium hit. Well, I was, but I was like three. I know right. what you're talking oh, yeah. about, though. I know what the reference is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. have a good time with the Millennium? I couldn't tell you. I, I think my first ever memory is from when I was like, I want to say four. Go on. I, what's your first memory? Uh, like, my first memory, I believe, is me moving out of the first house and into, like, the house I grew up in. And I was four when that happened, three and a half maybe, like around that so what age. what do you remember happening? I remember there being a big moving truck, and I remember sitting in like the middle front of it, like a U-Haul, right? And I sat in the middle oh. on, like I think one of my cousins like held me, like had me on his lap because I was sitting in the front, and it was extremely dangerous. Um, oh, yeah, whatever. So I it's think, the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I also remember that once when I was like six, my dad, um, he's a plumber gas fitter. Uh, so he always, he drives those big white vans, right? So sometimes he'd have to like go run an errand, but he couldn't leave me and my sister at home when we were little. And there was only one seat in the vehicle. So he would just throw us both in the front seat, right? Double buckle. Just one seatbelt for the two kids. And once he got pulled over while we were doing that, and the cop was like, what are you doing? And my dad just played dumb. was like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know you could do it. And I remember sitting there and like looking at my dad, trying to tell this cop, like he didn't know what he was doing. And the cop was like, well, just please go home like right now. I'm not going to give you a ticket, but you have to go home. Like you cannot drive around the city like this. It was funny. Back in the day, there were station wagons where kids would just ride in the back hatch, right? And that's like how they rolled. They yeah, man. Like, I have, we had one of those. No one buckled up, but everyone had a lit cigarette for some reason. I, I remember like those Garfield window suction cup things. I was basically one of those when I was a kid in the backseat of a station wagon. Like just, <laughs> I was just sitting out the window, just looking at stuff. And if there was ever a collision or my dad had to hit the brakes, I was flying immediately and very quickly into the seats in front of me. Oh, it was all good fun. Well, I was also from a small town, so I was used to like yeah. surfing in the back of pickup trucks and stuff. Like, What's your yeah. earliest memory? Mine? Uh, camping. How old are you? Oh, I don't know. Three, four, five, six, somewhere in there. Well, come on. Which is it? Were you in <laughs> school or out? No, definitely not in school. So I remember I remember my little life jacket and going out to the dock and fishing off the dock. So I probably would have been around three or four. That's like the first yeah. real vivid memory of an actual activity or event. Were they biting? Uh, I remember them biting. I remember them fish seemed huge back in those days. Oh, they were. Different times, though. Yep. I can remember being like three and being in like my play school or whatever you would call it. And I can remember my mom coming to get me and like leaning over a Dutch door and looking at me and me being like, oh, there's my mom. I'm thrilled she's here. And that's my first memory. Interesting. What was your first? Is this, your what, first... Is this what you had on, uh, had on your agenda for today, Tyler? No, but as a yeah. good host, I'm going to segue this back into hockey doc. What's your first ever Oilers <laughs> Why on memory? earth would you do what's the First what? First ever Oilers memory. Like what's the first memory you have of the Edmonton Oilers? 
So I think mine Ooh. is what year was the Heritage Classic? It was 04, right? The uh, Heritage Classic is your first no, 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 memory no, of the not, Oh, trust me, not even my first memory. I just remember the Heritage Classic. I was like seven, and my parents went to it and left me at home with my grandparents to babysit me. And I remember walk, I was, looking uh, at it on TV being like, oh, this looks sweet. My parents are there. I think I that's November 22nd, 2003. Yeah, that would make I sense. I went to that game sweet. with my buddy, and I, it was like the hardest ticket in town to get ever, even though like 70,000 tickets were issued. And it was miserable. Like, wasn't it like minus 30? Beers, beers froze under your seats. And then the next day it was like plus two. Really? Gotta love yeah. Edmonton oh. winters, you know? Or like minus 10 or something. Like, it felt like plus two. So what was your guys' first ever Oilers memory? Do you, do you know it off the top of your head? Can you dig back quickly enough? Yeah, probably for me it was the 1990 Stanley Cup parade. Oh. Because we were driving down 124th Street in like the family van. And that everyone was honking, and I would have been whatever age, and I was like, why is everybody honking? And they're like, oh, the Oilers won the Stanley Cup. And I was like, hmm, how interesting. But no one in my family liked hockey. Really? Nope. Huh. Just me. Because I would listen to John Short every night before I'd go to bed. And I was like, hockey is very interesting, so says my best friend John Short. And then I got super into it with my grandma when I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14. Mine would have to be the first one that I really, really remember would have been uh, my dad used to work for the city of Edmonton and every now and then they would just throw their name in the hat to kind of get like a raffle for tickets from the city. And my first vivid Oilers memory was going to a game against the Red Wings. I probably would have been about seven. Okay. Wow. And then back in those days, I mean, I've said this on the podcast a million times back in those days, you used to be able to go right down stairs and stand outside the dressing room. So Went to see the Red Wings. Our seats were up in the nosebleed, and this was like like way at the top of Rexall Place. And those were the days where you could just wander down, you know, mid game and mm-hmm. sit in the lower bowl if there were empty seats down there because no one was checking your tickets. So I remember doing that, going down and sitting in better seats, watching the Red Wings. I remember vividly seeing um, Craig McTavish because he didn't have a bucket on. Oh yeah. And then going back, going down to stand outside of the uh, the dressing room. So that's the first one I've got. I'm still convinced that the because so when I was I want to say when I was six or seven, my family got season tickets, but like it was basically my dad and his brothers, and they shared them four ways. So you got to go to ten games a year. Um, I I'm still convinced that the tickets they had in those seats were the best view in Rexall Place. They were they weren't, but in my head, I'm still convinced they are. It was right on the goal line. And in the upper bowl, so the goal line that the Oilers would attack twice. So I was like, man, I am always the first one to see the puck go in because I am sitting right on the freaking goal line. And that's what I thought as a kid. I thought I had the best seats in the building. Because nobody, had, oh, sorry, buddy. If you had your choice, any like, and I'm talking reasonably, like obviously we would all want to sit in a box if that would be the first choice. But like in the seat, where is your ideal spot to sit for a hockey game? Dead center ice the highest row possible in the lower bowl. You're still like close that. enough to the action. You're right in the middle. You're basically so you the camera everything. angle. Yeah. You're the camera angle. You're the camera center. angle. I think that'd be Bonnie, the best. what do you think? Uh, well, I like upper bowl. So when I was little, I didn't really know. Like I, didn't, I don't think I went to really more than one or two games before I was a teenager. And I, there wasn't a lot of games on TV in those days. There was maybe like 10 or 12 games a season. And I'd watch those all. But I would listen on the radio every single game. Like, never miss. 
Um, so then when I started going to games, I kept, I would bring a Walkman in and listen to the radio. And I was like, this is unbelievable. This is, this is such a superior fan experience. And then I would go and work and then go to take myself to games a few times a year. That was the shit. So I like sitting in the upper deck. The best seats in Rexall, in my estimation, was our old nation seats. Those were and good. It was at the absolute back of the arena, the highest row behind the net. And then behind our seats was a garbage can. So we joked that that was our luxury suite. So we would go like sit and on top of like the garbage can and have our beers. And it would be like, oh, we have to go into our seats. And we'd walk up two stairs and sit. And that was the best, the best seats in the barn. I loved at Rexall, I loved more than anything, uh, standing space. Yeah. I never Those did were the that, best. I, I would have. Because you could, like, if you had a game that, yeah, I mean, obviously the Oilers had many games that were awful, but, like, if you had a good game, with a good vibe in the arena on a Friday or Saturday night, and you yeah. were in the standing room, yeah, you had yourself a party with everybody around you. It was the best. And you can run around and cheer and high-five and shit. It's great. Exactly. Exactly. All right. You know who's going to have a good take on this? Our friend Scott Hastings from Odd Shark. Actually, one sec. FaceTime isn't letting me add him into the conversation, so we might just need to wheel here for a few more seconds. All right, there we go. Adding in Scott Hastings now from Odd Shark. Odd Shark is your spot. All the gambling information you need, check him out, Odd Shark. Com. Scott, before we brought you on, we were talking about the best spot to sit in an NHL arena. So, I mean, knowing Rexall place here, we were talking about how the guys used to love being in the standing room or up at the very top. I said right in the middle of the lower bowl and up at the top of the lower bowl because then you're kind of like the camera angle. Is there a spot that you that is the number one spot where you would love to sit for every game? Yeah, I think that's a great spot. But I'm going to go a little different but quite similar, and that would be the front row of the upper bowl. I think you just get... A little yeah. higher up there, so you get that, you know, a little down, down look. Plus, you also got a spot to uh, put your beer or maybe kick your feet up, so it's a good spot. Yeah, that's actually a good call. We were also talking earlier uh, in the show about our first ever Oilers memories. Mine was the Heritage Classic in 03, because mm. that's exactly how young I was. Not that I went, but that my parents went without me. Uh, you being a Leafs guy, what's your first sports memory, your first hockey memory, one of the two? Yeah, that was a great one. I remember Jose Theodore with the uh, the toque on, and uh, yeah, that was a great moment. Geez, I'm going to go back here. Uh, I, one of the ones that just stands out in my mind, and maybe that's being a Leafs fan, and it's been depressing ever since, but that was uh, losing to Jeremy Roenick there with that double overtime in 2004, the last time that the Leafs won a playoff series. That memory is just burned. It's just stuck in my head of, just the big hit, Darcy Tucker hits Sammy Kapanen. He scrambles to the bench. Ronick relieves him. He goes far down, and the Leafs haven't won a playoff series since. So uh, always a dark thought here from a Toronto fan. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Uh, looking at the playoffs that are going on right now, uh, yesterday we had two of the three games hit the over. The day before that, I don't think any of them hit the over. But the couple of days before that, it was something, I want to say, like five of six or six of six games. We're hitting the over. Have you dug into that trend at all? Is that something we're maybe starting to see a little bit more here? It's interesting because the start of the bubble, every game was going under. I think yeah. there was a ridiculous run, something of the effect of 11 of 16 or or something that to that effect. So I don't know. I'm looking at the teams that are left, and I think there's some, I don't want to say shoddy goaltending, but you know, like Dallas, Colorado, that's not a, a goalie matchup that many are going to write home about. And, and Vegas has just been flying, although Vancouver has been a great overtime for the entire playoffs, too. Even had a couple overs with Minnesota. 
So I think it's just sort of the matchups we have right now, some high-flying teams that like to put the puck in the net. Yeah, how much of an effect does back-to-backs have, too? Like, do we see a significant Mm. uptick in the overs in back-to-back games in hockey? So that can, it actually goes both ways. You would think sometimes you would lean towards the over players being tired and stuff, but sometimes you'll see the under because they're tired and they just don't have the legs. So, you know, maybe the goalie steals one or it's just sort of a sluggish type of game. I think it's a little different where they're all in one location or two two locations, if you will. Um, So there's not that travel aspect and, you know, different hotel rooms and whatnot. They're just in one one central location. So I don't think it plays as much of a factor as it would in the regular season. Scott, I'm looking at the, the games for today. Uh, we've got a couple of possible elimination games today. And I think a lot of people were looking at the avalanche kind of running through the start in, mm. in, in this round. What, what are you seeing there? Like, is this a surprise to you based on kind of how these series were laid out in the beginning? Yeah, big time. I actually had a, a futures bet on Colorado, so that's looking dead in the water. Of course, that's, that's fantastic. Um, uh, I, I think they're done. I think they're. I think I don't think they go to Game Six. I think they're done tonight. Wow. Uh, I think Boston survives. So take. I like them as an underdog. Um, you know, I think Halak has just been struggling there in that Boston Tampa series. So I think I hope that he can sort of come back to his own and, and steal the game tonight. But. Yeah, that that Dallas that Dallas team they just play so well just as an entire group. Every single line, their deep pairings, everything is just clicking all at once. Uh, I think Colorado is in deep trouble. I'm looking at your article right now on oddtrick.com, sort of the adjusted series prices. I'm proud of myself because when Tampa went down one nothing, I went and uh, put some money on Tampa Bay to win that series. So I'm liking where I'm at there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Colorado's done. There's Philly that's down three one. Vancouver's down three one. Either of those two teams, is there value there? Or do you think it's just a matter of time until the favorites kind of, or the team that's up sort of finishes it off? I, I think Vegas, no doubt, uh, is, is going to get past Vancouver. Philly would have more uh, value, in my opinion, just because I don't, I don't know how this Islanders team does it. You know, great defense. Sending Varlamov. If, if the Islanders can win the Cup, he's my Conn Smythe winner because he has been absolutely terrific. But uh, it, it, given those two, I would put more uh, lean towards the Flyers, but 3-1 deficits, you don't see those getting uh, overcome very often. So of the four matchups remaining, I think Boston has the best chance, but even that, it's it's pretty slim to none. So uh, good call on the Tampa Bay comeback. Yeah. I even said that, I think, leading into the second round was look for a team like a Tampa that if they drop the first game, hop on them, you'll get a good number. So yeah, good, good call on that one. Yeah, you got Philly. So Philly's down 3-1 there, plus 750. Uh, the Bruins right now in that series, plus 600. So, yeah, they are the best odds. Vancouver down at 20-1. to So, yeah, Sportsweeks don't have a, a lot of faith in the final Canadian team. Uh, looking around uh, here as well, like, what goes, for those who are maybe newer betters, sort of what goes into sort of those lines being so different where you have something where, you know, Boston's in the same spot as Vancouver, but there's a plus 1,400 gap there between those two. Is it public money? Is it just sort of the experts that weigh in and make these lines? Like, what goes into actually creating a line? Yeah, you definitely got a little bit of both on that one. I just think there's a little bit of that matchup, too. Like, Vancouver wasn't, uh, you know, going to win the President's Trophy in the regular season, whereas Boston was definitely in that mix. Vancouver, a younger team, uh, 
you know, haven't, haven't won the cup, especially with this core, uh, this is the furthest they've been. So whereas Boston, they've gone, they've done it. They've won the cup. Um, you know, they were in the cup finals last year as well. So, and Tampa is a perennial choke artist. So I think there's a little bit of that, uh, going on there. And then of course, as money comes in, the lines will fluctuate, but three to down three, one in a series, you have to give me plus a thousand or more, or I'm not touching it. You know, it's just so unlikely to make that comeback. It's, it's not worth, like I say, plus a thousand. Oftentimes you'll see this in football too. Will the team go 16 and 0? And sometimes you'll see it at plus 800. I'm like, you got to keep going for that. Mm-hmm. Keep going. The last area I wanted to touch on you, you mentioned the con Smite there and Semyon Varlamov. Uh, when the playoffs started, I saw a bet on my sports book that was uh, which position is the Conn Smythe winner going to be? And I went and I bet on goaltender, uh, which defense I think was the longest shot. Goalie was in the middle and forward was the favorite. But I like that bet. When it comes down to the Conn Smythe, when we get closer, we'll get some actual players emerge, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I think think that was a really good bet on you because I think out of the East, excuse me, out of the East, if we look at Tampa Bay and the Islanders, uh, Varlamov and Vasilevsky, no doubt in my mind, could be the Smythe winners. From the West, it's a little different, and the defense could be a sneaky one. Uh, Miro Hiskinen with Dallas has just been an absolute stud out there. I think he's got 14 or 15 points, I don't know, tied for fourth or fifth of all players. So that's a really interesting one. And, of course, you got some goal scorers in the Mark Stones and Nikita Kucherovs and whatnot. So... Uh, I think that's, you sort of see those forwards, if they're going to win it, they sort of steal it uh, in the conference finals and the finals itself. But I think, yeah, the goalie is definitely, it's a strong bet at this point. Like I say, Varlamov, Vasilevsky, and even Robin Leonard could yeah. uh, sneak one out. Scott, I'm, uh, like I said last week, I'm the new better on the podcast, so I'm still learning the ins and outs of how this is going. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the odd shark odds and betting trends that we put up on dailyfaceoff.com this morning. And I'm just, my question, I guess, is the Avalanche are still looking like favorites uh, for tonight's game. And I'm just kind of wondering, how does that happen when they're kind of down on the mat, but they're still the favorite to win a specific game? Well, there's, and this sort of goes back to a couple other things we've talked about on this, this chat here, but one of it is just, everyone assumes Colorado is going to win the game. So everyone's going to continue betting on Colorado and the books just collect the money of you betting on a favorite. That's not going to win. So it's, it's a little interesting. Like you say, all, all things should point toward betting Dallas. Um, but, but they keep making them the favorite. I, I thought that was bizarre. I actually hit Dallas and the over in yesterday's game because Colorado just, they can score, but they can't keep the puck out of their own net. So uh, it's one of those things that uh, you'll see these lines where public will assume the line and they'll set the line at what you assume and it goes the complete other way. So it's it's tricky. They try to trick you. It's, it's, you'll hear traps in games very often. You'll see it a lot in, in football too where you'll see a line of like three points and, and you're, you're like, oh, geez, that team should be a lot more favored by that. You'll take them, oh, it's easy money and then they lose outright. So it's they're tricky. Those books are smart, but <laughs> they are tricky. I'm just, I'm still trying to figure it all out, and that's I'm glad you're kind of running through it for me because, like I said, it's, there's a lot to get to here. Oh yeah, and, and you know you'll you'll develop strategies and stuff that may make things easier. But 
So I think that's a really smart way to approach games is looking at the number first. Don't think about matchups, goalies, lines, anything. Start with the line itself. And if the line looks somewhat normal, then proceed. If there's a full, you know, a Saturday with 15 games on the, in the, on the docket, if there's a couple games that the lines don't make any sense, I just completely write them off. Then it narrows it down to maybe there's four games that I like. I'll dive deeper into those four games. Scott, we appreciate your time as always, man. Keep up the good work. Excellent. Thanks, guys, and have fun. There you go. That's Scott Hastings from Odd Shark joining us on the Real Life Podcast. Informative as always. Hey, Big Milk. Yeah, I mean, like, like uh, I just kind of sit there and listen because I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to make some bets here, and I'm trying to do it in a way that at least seems like I know what I'm doing, or at least looks to be in the ballpark of knowing what I'm doing. Because the old uh, betting with your heart play, sometimes it doesn't work so well, Tyler. I'm sounding that because we don't have any sort of breaking news sounder on our podcast. And I think this is the first time it's ever happened during real life. But breaking news, while we're recording, the Oilers have signed Patrick Russell to a one-year extension. Uh, There's an article up right now, OilersNation.com. Cam Lewis has it covered, and he starts it with, it looks like Patrick Russell will get another chance to finally score an NHL goal. Uh, (laughs) Are you surprised at all that we're seeing this happen? I mean, really before the off-seasons even began? Um, not really. I don't think so. I think Patrick Russell is the kind of player that that Dave Tippett likes. He's kind of, he's in and out of the lineup. You know, he's going to work hard. You know, he's going to provide you reasonable minutes on your fourth line. Uh, I'm not really surprised. I guess the only surprise to me, um, is how many of the same players are, are coming back for next season, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you know what? That's a great point because you look at their Puckpedia page right now. And with the Russell signing, if you count Tyler Benson in their forward group, they all and Nygaard, sorry, they already have, I believe, thirteen forward signed for next year. Nine, ten, yeah, 11, so yeah I, thirteen forwards. So their forward group could pretty much be done, like sealed up already. Unless, like, obviously, there's still plenty of time. Um, I, I think we're going to see player movement for yeah. sure. But it's just it's just interesting how many of the same guys, you know. The same guys have been brought back, like the Joachim Nygaards, the Russells, the, you know, just the list kind of goes on. So I'm wondering kind of who's going to be moving out because the Oilers were better this year than they were, you know, in 2018, uh, 2019, but there's still room to improve, right? So a little bit surprising, but at the same time, not, I guess. I think the two guys I'm kind of looking at right now, when you consider that they just signed Patrick Russell, who's sort of that depth option, but a good penalty killer, probably, in my opinion, means the end of Jujar Kara. Does that make sense? Like, I, I could see them moving on from him. I could see Jujar Kara being uh, a guy that they would move as well, um, which is too bad. I love Jujar Kara. Yeah. I love when, when he's on his game. Like, I think back to November. You know when he got on that little bit of a heater mm-hmm. in November? And you look at him, he's got size, he's, he's tough, he gets in the corners, he protects, protects the puck well. But then when he's not playing at his best, he kind of, he's not there. So I could see them moving on from him. I could see them moving on from Alex Chase yeah. on, not necessarily because they don't like the player, but more so because they need the dollars. Um, those would be kind of my two forwards that I could see moving. And it's interesting also that Riley Shan hasn't signed anything yet. I thought for sure when, you know, the Josh Archibald contract came down, I just thought that Riley Chan was going to be next up. But he's still waiting, so that's an interesting one as well. 
Yeah, like I said, if you count, if you let's leave Benson out of that. If you count Nygaard, they have their whatever it is, twelve forwards signed now. It, I mean, if they move on from Kara and Chase on one, that's going to free up close to three and a half million dollars in cap space, which is a significant chunk of money when yep. you look at what the market could be like this year. I would like to see Shahan back as sort of that fourth line center. Um, I think he's good on the PK. I think he's a good, reliable veteran. He doesn't do anything flashy. But I do think that, I mean, there's him and Gaetan Haas sort of vying for that fourth line center spot, which is fine. But they can't yep. go into the off or into next season with like Haas as their three C and Shahan as their four C. They need an upgrade there. I still, I think. Absolutely, and I, and there's also um, Tyler Ennis. Is he coming back? Like I would, Oof. I would like to see Tyler Ennis come back. Yeah. In a, you know, I think that he provides some skill in your middle six with the ability to move up in a pinch if you need him. But mm. all of a sudden here, these dollars are getting pretty tight. And Jay Downton comes in for the final probably only three minutes, four minutes of the podcast here. But uh, like the move I wouldn't mind seeing is maybe you swap out Andreas Athanasiu for someone who's a little bit more of a bonafide third-line center. And that way you can bring back Ennis if you want. He can sort of take that Athanasiu spot and you can move the value. Because I think Athanasiu has value. There's no denying that. Move it to that center spot. Like the deal I brought up on Oilers Nation Radio if you can get Montreal to listen to a Athanasiu for Domi swap because Montreal needs help on the wings and they don't need all these centermen they have, that'd be a really interesting deal for me. Didn't we do that with Everly for Strom? Yeah, but I think Athanasiu to Domi is a win for the Oilers. Like, and, and I mean, Everly for Strom, if they would have just held on to Strom, that also would have probably been pretty close to a win for the Oilers. Or at, yeah. least, at least closer to flat than the reverse paperclip yeah. that they got. You know what I mean? All I'm saying, I'm coming in late, and you guys have priority fucking talk about this. And I'll tell you why I was late a little bit later, because it was kind of cool why I had to join the podcast late. But shouldn't we try to take advantage of what the situation the Arizona Coyotes are in right now? And do what? And here's the thing. Our window to win is the next five years. So why don't we just leverage the future and just try to fleece Arizona for some pieces because they need picks so bad and try to see if you can make an Ekman Larson and a Ranta thing happen using using our future today and getting the pieces we need right now to have Connor do what he can do for us. The idea of getting Ekman Larson works in theory, but he's making 8.25 for like the next seven seasons. Like you're going to handcuff yourself down the road with that contract. And also, I'm not giving up a combination of Nurse and a young defenseman, one of Broberg or Bouchard, to get Ekman Larson. Like, I, to me, Broberg and well, Bouchard are the what future. If like, what if it's what if it's Nurse and a pick? I'm, I'm saying keep keep what we have in the system. Though. What if it's yeah. Nurse and a first rounder? The money would still be tight. I'd be more interested in that. Well, we I know we uh, have to figure out the money side, but if we can get rid of Russell, get rid of Larson, open up some 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 money here. Like, I, do you not want to try to take that run? There's rumors that Arizona is looking at moving Darcy Kemper. Like, if I, to me, Ekman Larson would be great. Like, if you can get Kemper out of Arizona, you're laughing. Why would they want to do that? Because they, they have no picks. They want to rebuild. They have, they have legitimately no picks for the next two years. Like, it's, it's almost comical. They, in the next three rounds, so this year they have no first, no second, no third. Uh, they traded away the first and third the second they lost because of their violation for the combine testing. And next season, they had to give up their first rounder. Their second rounder is still there. And then they had to give up their third rounder. So they have one pick in the early rounds of the next two years draft. The only problem oh. is for the Oilers, 
they also have they only have two picks in those rounds. Three, I guess, because 14th overall this year. So I don't know. Like if, you, if you've got some known quantities right now that could be some somewhat cornerstone pieces, especially on the blue line, oh, man, if you can, if, yeah. if you can you've got to try to seize on that opportunity to see if it'll work. Because, like, what else are we going to do? We can't, we can't, our window is the next five years. So you can't build and fix those things through the draft. But if you're looking at if you're looking at trade the others right now, their their area of strength is left handed defensemen. So that's where I would pull from if we're looking to make a move. That and pick. Yeah, I, I like. I still think the Ekman Larson thing's a little bit of a pipe dream. I think there's another team out there that could really overpay for him. Like I think if if you're Toronto and you can find a way to do like a Nylander for Ekman Larson swap, you do that all day, right? Um, and Toronto well, might have a couple extra picks here they could wheel from. But they need picks. Arizona needs picks. Like, they're going, they're potentially going full rebuild. So they're yeah. like, picks are the currency. But like Tyler said, I mean, the problem is there that the Oilers don't have too many. I'm, I'm with like, you, Jay. I think that they need help now for Connor. They need it yeah, now. I would, throw, I would throw Bruce Bouchard in the mix, too, because you know me. I, I, yeah, I still yeah. feel like he could be disposable if, his value, if you're cashing in on a high valuation. That's where I'm trading Nurse. Yeah, I, if, yeah, I need, if, I need a, if, I, if I'm trading a piece that has actual NHL value, I think there's still a cache around Bouchard if you are looking that route, but I also think Nurse is a known commodity that people think that he's a player that they could probably acquire. Like Even uh, our friends at theleafnation.com uh, did a recap yesterday about how apparently, according to James Myrtle, the the Leafs are really into the idea of Darnell Nurse. So it makes sense. Same GM, what are we getting same back the What are we getting back? I'm not doing well, that deal it, unless it's Nylander coming back. Yeah, me too. I was going to say, if you're going to trade Nurse to Toronto, then Nylander better be coming back. Okay. And, and if, probably, there's, all of a sudden, there's your, uh, there's your trigger man for Connor for a long time. And, and if we're doing that deal as well, and they're taking the seven, and the Oilers are going to take the seven mil of William Nylander, I'm probably telling Toronto they need to take uh, well, preferably Alex Jason, but maybe Jujar Kara. I don't think they would take four mil of Russell. But if they took Kara and gave us Nylander in that deal and you, you, the money sort of evens itself out, I think that's a clear win for Edmonton. Yeah, and there's, again, there was rumors last year that Toronto was interested in Kara. What was it, Tyler, Kara, and Benning? Karen Benning, the, yeah, and the Oilers wanted Connor Brown, but eventually they shipped him off to Ottawa. So, I mean, well, I think, well, what happened was that trade was supposed to happen, but Jujar got hurt. Yeah. Um, Jay, so, why were you running late? Because we only got a couple minutes left here before I got to run. Well, I was running late. Well, I got asked. So a good friend of mine uh, owns uh, Weekly, which is a, uh, a a hair place. They've got two locations, one downtown and one on White Ave. And he got invited to come into the bubble to cut hair this week. Oh, wow. Because the players are just are screaming for haircuts. So... <laughs> Being his, his name's Craig Boa, he's one of the best, and that's why they came and approached him. So he asked me if he could cut my hair as a practice before going in because he has to wear gloves and there's some like PPE stuff. So I was his test subject this morning. Damn, that's actually pretty. And cool. how and how'd the cut turn out? Well, Craig does nothing but great things. So yeah. flow is looking tight right now. I'm feeling good, but. Uh, I'm uh, so the next person's hair he's gonna cut might be you know like Nathan McKinnon. That's 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 pretty sweet, man. That's that's pretty interesting and also hilarious to me that it's just like 
you need a haircut? But I get it. I get yeah. it. Fix up, look sharp. Well, it's also thing. The NHL reached out to him uh, because he's, he's a no, well-known commodity here in Edmonton, or a talent, I should say. And uh, he was just like, well, how, like this is like, and, he, and he's a huge hockey guy. So he's like, this is unreal. Absolutely. So, uh, he's probably yeah, getting a pretty so, nice so, payday for that, too. Oh, I'm, I would assume they take care of him, but, but I guess the players are really after getting some haircuts. Makes I wonder sense. how many he's going to have to do a day. Like, if he's just so going to be put in for right our shift. Yeah, well, right now he's going to be putting, so it's, he, he, they have him coming in for three full days from, like, nine to six. And it's basically, like, he's going to be sent to schedule, and he's just going to be going, like, back to back to back. So I don't know, what's the, a haircut, like, 45 minutes, maybe? Like, I don't know how deep they're getting. But, like, he's probably going to be cutting, like, 12, 15 players' hairs a, uh, a day. That's sweet. Good for him, man. That's a cool opportunity. Yeah, I'm interested. I told him, like, if you, if you want to, whatever you're allowed to post or talk about, like, let us know and we'll yeah. kind of share. It's kind of like a unique experience. And, you know, unfortunately, the Oilers aren't in the bubble, but we're also about highlighting Edmontonians doing cool things. And uh, he's doing it. So, yeah, so I, I had to say yes. Like, I could not say oh, yes yeah. to that. I All feel right. like I'm doing my part for the NHL bubble. <laughs> All right. I got to wrap well, up this podcast, boys, because I got a tea time to get to. Where are you playing? I am going just Canmore Golf and Country Club. Just nice and small. Just keep it simple today. You played Silvertip though the other day. Yeah, I did. I, I played Silvertip the other day. I played this other little course called Brewster's, and it's like a 20-minute drive, and it was dirt cheap. It was like 80 bucks for 18 in a cart. And let me tell you, if you're trying to go to the mountains and golf for like a reasonable price, you need to check out that place. It's really cool. It, oh, like, really? The course, yeah, the course wasn't in great shape. Like it was, you know, similar to what you'd get with a, you know, city course in Edmonton for like, quality but like some nice elevated tea boxes still you're looking at the mountains the whole times you're only 20 minutes away from canmore and it was 80 bucks for 18 with a cart yeah and it was quiet too like we finished our round in four hours and 10 minutes i think yeah it was really cool anyways well i gotta go golf in the mountains guys so i'm cutting this podcast short shout out to japa shout out to oodle noodle and shout out to scott hastings from odd shark that was a good chat with him as we always do on monday guys thanks for giving me a little bit of time Okay, sir. I hope you can stay alive this week, bro. Yeah, we'll talk big brother uh, on, on Thursday. I don't too. like his chances. All right. Uh, Episode 209 of the Real Life Podcast is over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.